First item on the agenda under personnel is a personnel agenda. We would need a motion. Move. Second. Motion made and second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Unanimous. Need a motion for the personnel addendum. So moved. So moved. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Need a motion for the contractual agenda. Move. So moved. So moved. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Opposed? Aye. 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 Motion is unanimous. There are no student hearings. The next item of business is uh, new business, uh, school choice applications. Mr. Lewis. Good evening, everybody. Mr. Barley, uh, did you do that? Did we not need to do item 2.1? Mr. Barley, I think we need to go back to uh, 2.01. We also needed a... Um, Motion to move forward with the appraisal. So move, Mark. I think I'll make a motion. Second. Second. Okay, we have a motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. School choice applications. Mr. Lewis. Again, good evening, everybody. If you take a look on your board docs for the kindergartner applications for this upcoming school year, as we talked about last month, you will find a total of 188 applications. Recommendations are to accept 57 of those applications, reject one due to, due to attendance, and wait list 130. Now you will see, you will see on East Millsboro, there is a good cause application for a fifth grade student that is a priority one. We are asking to accept that particular one as well. Uh, if you go down to Georgetown Middle School, that's a good cause application for grade six. We're asking to accept that as well. And Sussex Sectional High School, ninth grade student, a good cause application, priority number one. And uh, what we are asking to accept, if you go to the Southern Delaware School of the Arts, as you can see, there's quite a bit of applications there, a total of 109. Uh, Principal Bauer and his staff, they're ready to uh, move forward to accept uh, those kindergarten applications. As you can see, there's a total of 41 we're asking to accept to fill his kindergarten class and put the remaining 54 on the wait list. 
uh, grade one for his um, Southern Delaware School of the Arts. Uh, there's some uh, school applications, school choice applications there we're asking to accept as well. Grade one, grade three, grade five, and grade six, grade seven, and grade eight. Any additional questions? Again, a total of 188 applications. Recommendations are to accept 57, that's five, seven, reject one due to attendance, and put the remaining um, on rate wait list, which is a total of 130. And the reason that we're asking to put these kindergartners on the wait list is due to the fact that we're finding out that many of the parents are not able to get to the schools to register their kindergartners. Uh, the building principals are asking to put these on wait lists so they have a better number of students um, for the incoming class rather than now filling these, uh, these seats up with school choice students. Questions? Motion to approve as presented. Second. Made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Item number five. Mr. Barley, I have a question. Mr. Steele may be able to answer it. In the April meeting, we had students in our district that wanted the choice to different high schools. Did the high school principals get a chance to review any of those students or all of those students? Mr. Lafayette, I have to ask the high school principals. I do know that Mr. Lewis tried to send a list out this afternoon. I don't know whether the principals had a chance to look over those students or not. One of the reasons we wanted to do this evening. I have not seen the list. You have not, Michael? Mr. Williams? I have not received the list, no. Okay. Yes. Okay. We I, I did not receive the list either. However, um, if, if they met the criteria, we would most likely approve, but I have not seen the list. Okay. That list will be sent out again tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Lewis, if you'd see that both of those gentlemen have a copy of the list on those, uh, on those students as well as their packets. Uh, so they can look over those, those, uh, I think there's a total of 16 kids. Um, I believe that's correct. And the principals would be able to look over those. We'll bring those back in June. If there are any questions, one of the things this evening we, we wanted to do to make sure we got through was SDSA simply because SDSA pulls a lot of our district kids from other elementary buildings. We needed to establish that first. In talking with uh, DOE and the superintendents, one of the things that we have learned is due to next year's possible budget downfall, uh, we've been told to stay close to the 98% higher at this particular time with teachers as we can. So what we can't afford is to go over hiring. So one of the things we wanna make sure we're careful of is that we don't put too many kids and kindergartners at our elementary schools. And to do that, I will tell you that compared numbers of people that we have received registrations for, we are significantly lower than we have been 
last year and the year before. Now, historically, we know about what that number is going to be, but because of the school shutdown, we, we don't have parents completing the registration online like we need them to do. So we're going to have to hold back on some of the kids that we bring into kindergarten levels at all of our kid, at all of our elementaries to make sure we don't put too many kids in those classrooms. Anybody else we have, if we want to look at the high school programs, we could bring those back, those kids back in June, as well as some of the other waiting list kids that we have, once we get a little bit more idea of where we're going to be in terms of numbers. We just have to be careful not to exceed 98% at this particular time if we can possibly help it. So we're going to have to be very careful in counting kids. I will tell you that the superintendents up and down the state are a little bit worried because kindergarten registration is down everywhere. And knowing that we have September 30th unit count coming up for funding, uh, you know, our concern obviously is going to be, are we going to have all of those kids in registered in time for that unit count? So right now we're, we're going to step very slowly uh, in what we're going to do with choice to make sure we have the space for the kids that we need. Anything else? Item 502, 503, 504, 505, and 506 are for new uniforms for Indian River High School. The colors are appropriate, so I need a motion to approve. Motion to approve. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous, thank you. Just a question, Mr. Barley, on those uniforms, who, how did they proceed with them when we didn't have a meeting? Do you hear a question? Can you repeat the question, Mrs. Wright? I said, I see that they're on here and we've motioned to approve them, but where, how, where were they discussed? They, they weren't, uh, Ms. Wright, we did not have our committee meetings between the two board meetings. We were so close in time uh, that we would have had to have put one almost a week after the last board meeting. These, I believe, came in, I'm not 100% sure if Mrs. Smith's here last week, early last week. Um, whenever they came in, we sent them down to the business office to review before they were within budget. And at this particular point in time, this is why we brought them this evening because we did not have a um, finance committee meeting to look at them in finance. I saw them, Mrs. Wright, about a week ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we received them a little over a week ago. Are they on their normal rotation for replacement? Is that why they all came up at once? Yeah, that's five-year uh, rotation schedule. They were, I submitted them a few weeks ago, uh, right after the last board meeting, um, not knowing if we would have a finance committee meeting or not, and uh, we did not. So that's where they are. Any other questions? 
We didn't take a vote on that, did we? Need a motion for approval? So moved. So moved. For a second? Second. Second. Made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. Next item on the agenda is the uh, graduation proposals. Mr. Steele. Thank you, Mr. Barley. Uh, I sent out the senior celebration options again today to board members. I sent them out previously. Um, we got guidance after our last board meeting uh, from Department of Education, and we had the opportunity to, to go through those a little bit. Um, and, you know, everybody, I'll be very honest, up and down the state is all over the place with this. Some people are doing a full virtual. Some people are doing a hybrid. Some people are going to try to wait it out. Um, but if you take a look at the options that were, were sent out you know, previously, we're getting ready to start phase one, June 1st. Then we'll proceed to phase two, which ups it to only 50 people at a social gathering. So we've had our teams working at both high schools with Dr. Jerns to take a look at you know, possible things that we can do. Now there are three possible things we could do for graduation. One, we could move graduation dates back to July or August. Two, we could create a virtual graduation. There are numerous organizations, Johnson's being one, who have software platforms set up to help us. Or three, create a combination of both, part virtual and part drive-through. What I'd like to do at this time is ask Dr. Jerns, Dr. Layfield, uh, Mr. Williams to talk to you about what their plans look like at this particular point in time with the outlook on what we have with our senior celebration um, options from DOE. I will tell you that the options were not uniformly done by Department of Education. They were done in collaboration with the Department of Public Health, uh, DTI, and that was simply because of all the virtual uh, talk of virtual and taking up uh, broadband width and the governor's office. So they all uh, met to develop uh, that set of options. Um, I think we need to talk to a little bit about it tonight. We're, we're at a month, the month point before graduation and probably need to make some final decisions before moving forward. So I think I'd like you to hear from the principals and Dr. Jerns about where we're going with this. Dr. Jerns. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. So as Mr. Steele said, uh, we would ultimately like to have traditional graduation ceremonies, but considering the status of the state right now, we're looking at a situation where we cannot have an event with more than 10 people in that event. And even if that proclamation part changes, phase two of this is expected to only increase that to about 50 people. So the first option we have is to delay any type of graduation ceremony and hope that we could have one in mid to late summer. But I think all of us know that um, that doesn't look so promising right now. We can't predict the future. So we would be taking a great risk if we decided to delay completely. And talking with the two high school principals, we then thought there are two things that we could do here. We could strictly go virtual, which Justin's has offered to prepare a virtual ceremony that would include video pictures, um, names, of the students would include the music, would include the speeches, the conferral of the degrees. It would have all elements, but it would be completely done through video. 
that would be released to families and, and seniors. We thought of doing a combined sort of ceremony where we could still release the virtual because that is a lifetime memory that students and their families can hold on to. They will always have that video. But we could add an element where we present some sort of pseudo ceremony where families could come in a vehicle, a single vehicle per family. We would limit the number of family members who could be in the vehicle. They could line up and progress through the school and we could allow each graduate to leave the vehicle, walk across a set stage with a backdrop, receive their diploma, have their pictures taken, and then proceed back to their vehicle and exit property. We are also working with um, local state farm agencies in Dagsboro and in Millsboro who are making donations of senior signs that are two-sided that we would use to line the entranceways into the high schools and after the ceremony would deliver those signs to the seniors as an additional memory of the event. That is in, in a nutshell what we discussed. I would like to turn this over to Mr. Williams and Dr. Leefield if they have anything to add because I know they are also planning additional senior activities. Mr. Williams, can we start with you, Indian River? So like Dr. Jern said, that is uh, what we are currently planning is a virtual commencement and with some type of a drive-through uh, where seniors could come through and get their diplomas. Uh, we'd like to line our entrance with our senior signs. Uh, they are going to be in color. They're going to have the portrait of each graduate with their name, class of 2020, Indy River High School in the green and gold colors. Um, we'd like to also line our staff up um, obviously six feet apart, wearing masks, whatever the current protocol would be on June 17th, so they could be there for support as seniors rode through. Um, we're also planning a virtual senior award ceremony that um, we are doing. Uh, Dr. Jerns and Jimmy Wheatley are helping coordinate and put that together. Um, and then at the school, we are creating a senior video um, where we will have pictures throughout the school year of our seniors Seniors currently right now are posting 10 to 15 second um, messages and uploading them to Schoology. And we're gonna be having, uh, we will have clips from seniors, uh, their favorite memory at any River High School or any parting words they'd like to share. We're gonna be providing um, each senior and their family with a copy of the video, the senior award ceremony and the graduation virtual commencement. The, the big thing for us right now is trying to coordinate and logistically uh, plan for a senior drive-through. Um, talking to seniors and parents and teachers, um, they would like the opportunity to be able to walk across the stage in their cap and gown, receive their diploma, have a chance for some pictures, and then move on. So um, hopefully after tonight, uh, we'll be able to have some clarity and uh, we can begin planning this final stage uh, of our graduation. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Dr. Layfield for Sussex Central. Um, we're pretty much in the in, in the same line with Indian River. Uh, some things slightly different. We're, we're doing the senior signs, the yard signs, and uh, I think our intention is uh, to uh, engage our staff in actually placing those signs in the seniors' uh, yards. We have all the 
on the dresses, and we want to do that before graduation. We're working with Jimmy Wheatley, uh, the same person as far as the uh, videography of uh, any of the you know valedictorians, salutatorian speeches, and um, obviously Mr. Steele uh, certifying the diplomas, and looking towards a uh, ceremony where we have a drive-in and call-up uh, stage, or we can we can probably stage. I, I went out to the school this past week. Um, we can probably stage anywhere between 15 and 30 uh, graduates and a, a very small group, possibly you know, uh, the immediate family, no more than four, four people in the immediate family uh, with each graduate at a time, about every 10 yards coming through the F wing and in our, uh, in our uh, gymnasium to walk across the stage, get the diploma, Take a take a picture of that moment as we call their uh, as we call their name, and then exit uh, without touching any doors or anybody or anyone else, and um, moving through and actually having the moment where they can walk across the stage to get their diploma, as normal as uh, could possibly be um, be done in this type of year. That's what we've uh, we've staged and we've we've looked. We can. Uh, at Sussex Central, we can probably accommodate, like I said, any, anywhere between 15 and 30 families probably per hour, which would mean if we were to do this, uh, it'd likely be probably a uh, six, seven, eight, nine hour ordeal. I wouldn't say ordeal. I'd say ceremony and um, make everything the, the best it can for any of our graduates. We also have included in our discussion uh, Ms. Perfetti from Howard Tienis, and she's been working with her team, as you know, um, to prepare a ceremony as well. Ms. Perfetti? Yeah, we're going to follow whatever the high schools do, but we will put, of course, our Howard Tienis touch on it to ensure that all of our kids can participate. Thank you. Are there any questions? And Dr. Jones, I'll say I received a call today and I know up in the Millsburg, Georgetown area, uh, Lewis Briggs, George Ann White are working to, uh, with all the businesses, I know the town of Georgetown, town of Millsboro County offices trying to do uh, signs on the graduation day at Sussex Central so that uh, both of those towns uh, advertise congratulating the, the 2020 graduates. Uh, I'm not sure if anything's uh, afoot in the southern part of the district or not. I just got this about three o'clock this afternoon. Uh, I got an email and a phone call. And uh, so I know we've got some community folks who are, who are behind us trying to help out as well. And I do want to thank them for, for doing that. I think it's, it's, it's a bad situation, um, you know, of, of where we are and what we have to do. But at this particular stage and taking a look at, at you know, some of the other school districts and schools, I, I think this may be the best option for us to proceed with. Mr. Steele, I'll go ahead and add on. And I agree. Pardon me for interrupting, but uh, Miss White, George Ann White also reached out to me and uh, about a possible uh, parade around the Georgetown Circle and some other things. And, I told her that I'd be making arrangements for our team to reach out to her and whatever she's willing to provide uh, tomorrow or you know later on this week. Okay. All right. I, I do believe that Dr. Layfield and Mr. Williams both appreciate 
how much extra time this is going to take. Uh, speaking for myself, if it takes eight or nine hours, I'll be there. Uh, I think our kids deserve it. They deserve that level of support. We've all been inconvenienced out the rear by this thing, but let's try to do what we can do to make it special for them. Thank you for your planning and your extra efforts because this is going to be one big job, folks. Good for you. Thank you. Questions from the board members? Mr. Barley, I'm going to recommend that we take option number three, uh, allow both of our, all three of our schools to have you know, some, some type of ceremony that's going to be uh, not full virtual, so we can at least get the kids as much as we can get them at this time. Okay. Is there a motion? So moved. So, so moved, Mr. Barley. Second. Motion is made and seconded in a discussion. All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 It's unanimous. Thank you. The um, grading system policy waiver, Mr. Steele. Mr. Barlow, we've uh, we have just started today uh, our final phase of a remote learning plan. And I, I'm going to say this, and you know, I hope we have a lot of people on that can can hear this. Having the opportunity to have kids in school all day and staff in school all day is a much much easier thing than what we're going through now. Um, we're having to do a lot of changes on the run. I've gotten emails from parents. I'm sure you have, who I think are, are a little frustrated at this particular point. Um, I had some questions about, you know, why didn't we just end the school year? Uh, there was a, a 16th edition to the state of emergency that came out last week uh, that talked about, you know, forgiving the teacher days and the student days, and uh, at the same time told us that we had to continue with our learning plans, which all of our learning plans had to set the end day for staff and students that had to be turned in about four or five weeks ago. So on our final plan, Although we were hoping to be back in on uh, today, being the first day back, that did not happen, as you're aware. What we have to do at this particular point is we have to push out new material to kids. Not the best thing to do, but at this stage, if we're going to go into next year and take a look at kids moving forward, we have to push forward. We have a, a large number of our kids who are online. Uh, we still have a good number of kids who are picking up packets. So in order to move forward, the discussion the superintendent's group had, I brought back with our cabinet and we discussed, was the, the opportunity to you know, push the grading out. And that way we would entice kids to participate. One of the first thoughts was, well, is it fair that a kid's grade could be hindered if we move forward with this? And we, we spent a lot of time talking about, about this option. And the one thing that all 19 superintendents felt was we can't punish a kid grade-wise at this particular point in time, but we can entice those kids to participate in learning. So in order to do that, I've had uh, Dr. Owens work on the uh, grading policy that we would need a waiver. On this particular grading policy, uh, we, we, we took a look at our old policy um, 
you know, that, that you would see uh, highlighted. Now, one of the things that we are going to have to do if we want to make sure we don't have kids' grades drop is to calculate the fourth marking period based on the average of the first three. That's going to be the starting base of anybody's final grade for the school district for this year. In order to improve that grade, students who could complete the weekly graded assignment or all of the activities assigned that week could receive a maximum of two points for toward their final grade average. Taking a look at it, one point could be awarded if they do some but not all, zero points awarded if they do nothing. At the end of five weeks, students would have the opportunity to earn anywhere from zero to 10 points added to their final grade based on that, that average fourth quarter that we do right now. We thought that would be a good way to go. A lot of other districts are looking at doing the exact same thing because it doesn't hurt the kids. It'll only help them by doing the remote learning. learning. To do this, we felt we needed to have a one-year waiver in our grading policy. And that waiver would, would, lieu, would, in lieu of the parameters set forth in our IKA policy, you know, we would be able to implement the elementary and the secondary learning guidelines. These guidelines would provide an average for the first three marking periods as the basis for the fourth marking period grade and provide an opportunity for students to increase overall final average by no more than 10 points for the year. This is a one-year, one-time waiver we're asking to proceed with. Uh, moving forward tonight until the end of the school year. So we would need a motion to do that. Motion. Second. Made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. That is unanimous. Next item is old business. The GW Carver consent update, Dr. Brittingham. One second. Good evening, everyone. Um, tonight, okay. Tonight, I just have a quick update. We had a longer one at our last meeting. Um, wait for Dr. Jerns to get it up. Is it there? Yep. And you can go right to the second slide. All right, so since our last board meeting, we had our first interim report filed with the court and reviewed by the judge on May 6, 2020. It was reported that Indian River School District is making a good faith effort to implement the consent order by our special master, Dr. Linda Wren, who is also on here with us tonight. Um, the contract with High Road Schools for our on-site classroom is in progress and will be submitted for final approval by the school board at June 2020. We actually held a meeting today to finalize um, the figures for that contract. Our first community advisory board is going to be held via Zoom on May 21st at one o'clock. And Dr. Statler asked in the last meeting to participate in this meeting and has been invited to participate as her schedule permits. And then the last one is we're continuing to work on um, the camp placement. Um, we have worked with Mr. Bauer to find one big classroom off the gym at SDSA and devised a plan for splitting it into two classrooms. And at that site, IRAC administration will be able to support the camp students and or faculty. 
those are really the only updates I have since our last board meeting. So I'll, I'll welcome any questions at this time. Dr. Brittingham, can I just ask a question? Is there, or are there any opportunities? I know that we identified SDSA as the location for the um, camp program, but I, I also thought we might have been exploring another opportunity, perhaps at Philip Shaw, just because that building is only at 62% capacity um, and does have a, a wing that you know, would allow um, us to be able to, to um, have that program there. Is there any discussion about that? So I think that Mr. Steele and Dr. Owens have both viewed the space that was, that was brought up to their attention at Philip Shaw. Um, our team has considered multiple options um, at this point in time. Um, taking into account the space, I think there's a, there's a lot of wows and wonders that we could come up with for placement in both buildings. But at the end of the day, I think that the decision continues at least at this point, and of course we're always open to discussion, to be at camp because of the having the same age peers and the, the, uh, the separate entrance with a bathroom and the on-site availability of the IREC administration. Um, we also have been exploring additional space in the IREC building that may or may not be appropriate as well. And I don't know if Dr. Owens or Mr. Steele wanna jump in at all, but um, we've, we have been kind of taking recommendations and at least exploring them. Dr. Owens, do you wanna speak on this? Yeah, I, I think Dr. Brittingham captured it. I did take a look and the wing is four classrooms. Um, so we would be taking up space uh, in Philip Shaw with four classrooms where at the current time we would only need two. Uh, the exploration of the space at SDSA does seem to, to fit our needs at this time. However, um, we certainly are open to looking at additional space maybe over uh, closer on the IREC side. Okay, I have concerns about the fact that you're taking away from uh, Mr. Bowers or Mr. Bauer, okay, and, and his space because he's closing a computer lab, he's giving up classrooms, and he's being forced to move a lot of things aside when we do have the space in the other building. If it's at 62%, are they going to miss those four classrooms? And my understanding is, is that they do have a separate bathroom there that is available. So... Um, when we had originally worked out the plan, we went to Mr. Bauer um, to discuss if, well, first of all, the feasibility of space at his building. Um, so we really, we really worked that out. And currently, right now, he has a plan to accommodate because we're really only taking one classroom and one small um, office space from SDSA. The classroom is so big that it can be divided into two. Um, I have not looked at the space at Philip Shaw. I do believe that it does. I know it's the new wing and it does have a bathroom down in that room. But I think that wing, as Dr. Owen just said, has four classrooms. Um, and then it has, it does have a side entrance off to the side. Um, but at the, at the time, Mr. Bauer was already taking the computer lab away. That had already been in the works. So I'm not sure if he's on here and he can speak to um, the fact that he has a plan and um, the classroom that was moved was one of the arts 
classrooms or projected to be moved and he's moved that down with the other related arts teachers. So at least that move kind of made sense in the building. I do, that, I do think that SDSA is, is such a sought after program and building um, that if we can, and it sounds like we can be creative and make, um, you know, another classroom or two, that that would be wonderful for other opportunities that we could also offer at SDSA. But we, we have, and I, I made a mistake, I said 62% capacity. I actually think it's like 63 or maybe 64% capacity. But, um, you know, splitting hairs on what that number is, it still leaves us with Philip Shaw that's very, very underutilized. Um, they do have a separate entrance there. Um, the, the nice thing about having the extra space of the four classrooms is that traditionally we need one room for the high school students, and then we need a separate room for the middle school, you know, or younger age students. Um, and then it's always nice if we have an extra room um, for, you know, various reasons throughout, throughout the day if we need to pull a student out to have, um, you know, a separate conversation with. So I, I would like us to explore that opportunity if we can. Um, it, I, I really think it, it's, a, it's difficult in a building that's 97% capacity, which is over that 95% threshold. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to make that decision to put that program there when we have a building with 63% capacity that is really right down the road from IRAC where we could have our staff that's readily available. So um, to, to me, that would be a better space. And okay, gonna, and um, go ahead. I'm going to chime in and, and basically say the same thing because I, I think SDA is a very successful facility. It's working fine. We do have the opportunity to, to make changes over there and use the space in a different way. And other than that, Philip Shaw will still sit 63% full and not be used. Okay. So, any other, any other, oh, I'm sorry. Nope. I'm finished. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Um, okay. Well, Thank you for the questions and discussions. Any other questions or discussions? Um, and if not, Mr. Steele and Dr. Owens and the team, I guess we'll take this back and have a conversation. Dr. Brittingham, I just wanted to ask about the age of the kids. So the, as you know, SESA has, um, you know, goes to eighth grade. That was one of the factors because the camp program encompasses middle and high school kids. So in determining our original ideas, that was one of the factors that we weighed. Um, of course, I definitely understand the capacity issues as well. Um, but that, I mean, that's definitely one of the factors that we weighed with Philip Shaw being just an elementary school. And then the age appropriateness of having Right. That's, that would be one question. The other question is, did we, if, refresh my memory a little bit, but what we had set up at Carver as a camp was not deemed appropriate. Is that correct? Correct. We weren't, so part of the consent order is we were not allowed to leave it in the Carver space. It had to be attached um, to a regular building with, with same age peers and or programming available. Then, I, then I, I guess that, that would be my point. I'm a little concerned that we're just trading one place for another 
and we're going to isolate them at Philip Chow with kids that are not the, the same um, age or whatever. Uh, that concerns me a little bit. So I just, you know, I want to make sure that we're just not trading one place for another and we're going to be in the same boat. Absolutely. I, I mean, we're taking everyone's questions and thoughts at this point in time. Um, this decision was not made lightly. We spent months, you know, kind of figuring out what was the most appropriate place for the students. Um, anything else from anyone else for us to consider as we take this back? Yeah, Dr. I, I Owens? Something. Um, just remember, you're, you're talking about the the student population at Philip Shaw. Just remember, those four classrooms are being currently being used. So you're talking about moving four classrooms, four teachers out of their classrooms. So right. the student population might be less, but those all of those classrooms are currently being utilized. So we'd be using four teachers in four classrooms. Correct. Right. One of the things we looked at foremost was where can we put this at a secondary school level? anywhere and mm -hmm. we know Selbyville we're about 106 percent capacity we know Indian River High School is about 95 we know Central's about 120 I think um, and we also know that Millsburg Middle and Georgetown Middle are both relatively high uh, I believe Georgetown is picking up one of our other uh, Carver classrooms as well as one of our high roads classrooms so we wanted to try to find a location with secondary available anywhere we could this tended to be the one location that has a placement area uh, in it that seems to fit well with the program but what we'll do we'll go back and take a look at your ideas from this evening we'll pull our consent order out and go through the consent order and see what we have to line with with the consent order to see where we are and uh, we can bring this back thank you everyone for your thoughts and discussion points and Dr. Jerns, that's everything for me. Thank you. Item 602 is uh, Indian River School District phone system. Mr. Fritz. Okay, so uh, we, have, we have attached the winning bids for the final upgrades to the phone system. Just as a reminder to everyone, Back in 2014, it was approved by the board to upgrade the entire phone infrastructure system throughout the school district. That was approved. Uh, it has been, of course, worked on ever since over the last six years. We're now at the final, uh, final portion that needs to be done. Uh, there are three, looks like three uh, final uh, projects to complete, the bids are attached. The money does come out of minor cap. Even though this project was approved in 2014, we do still need to vote to individually approve the uh, expense uh, of this of the money for these for these three final uh, phases. So uh, I don't know if anybody has any questions. Nope. Can I make a motion? Yep. Seconded. Done. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed?
That is unanimous. Thank you. Superintendent's report, Mr. Steele. Uh, yeah, Mr. Barlow, I want to use this time to update just a few things. Um, I believe, um, Ms. Wright, at the last meeting, you had asked about the new Howard T. Ennis building and accessibility. Uh, we just received word this week that these, or excuse me, last week late, that State of Delaware's Architectural Accessibility Board A, B met and approved our uh, program design and school design for the new Howard T. Ennis building. Uh, so it will be 100% uh, uh, compliant. Uh, we've talked about the graduation, we've talked about the remote learning. One of the other issues that we're facing uh, due to the closure of the buildings, and this is gonna be very difficult over the next month, is we have a lot of material that we have to collect. Now on the 13th, we announced to all of our kids, take home everything you need to for an extended stay. Uh, DOE and Department of Public Health have put together a, a document, a guideline. Um, Celeste Bunning had uh, gotten a copy of this for us. And we're gonna have to take a look at locker cleanouts in terms of kids being able to get personal belongings out of lockers. Uh, any books they did not pick up. We're going to have to, remember, we're going to have to also get back all of our uh, Chromebooks uh, that we put out, and we're going to have to do this systematically. So we'll be working very closely with our principals. They'll be working very closely with their custodial staff and their regular staff uh, because it's a pretty prescriptive method of what we have to do uh, right down to time slots and how many people can be in the building at one time. So uh, that aside, we will be, you know, continually working on doing two things, uh, preparing for the graduations, uh, getting the closeout materials that the kids need, even their band instruments back to them. Uh, we'll be doing it uh, very carefully as we go through. I think we've, we've exchanged items to the point where I think our schools are, are pretty comfortable and all everybody has a process of uh, handing things out. The handing in will be just to reverse but it is gonna take time and we'll probably start that process in the, in, the, in the near future. It's gonna be key that we get all of our, our textbooks back, which is primarily gonna be with the high schools, as well as the, the Chromebooks, the elementaries. Uh, it looks like parents would be invited in to go through their student desk to make sure they take the materials they need and discard the materials that they would not need. This has been a trying time for everybody. We have, uh, we've had cabinet meetings, we've, we've talked, we've talked for hours, we've argued, we've agreed, we've had tears, we've done a lot of things. For the most part, I can say this, thank you to the, the folks of the Indian River School District, there's been a lot of supportive people. And I think even the ones who might not be supportive, at least when we try to reach back and talk to those folks, uh, I think they, they understand. Um, but just a couple of things, and there's a, a group I really want to recognize this evening, and I think when you hear some numbers, you'll know why. I want to recognize uh, Cliff Toomey and his cafeteria staff and custodial staff. The custodians have been working. We split shifted them in getting uh, schools, you know, disinfecting clean every day when we come in, it's been disinfected. And they're getting a lot of the summer work done at the same time they're keeping the outside grounds up. But Cliff and the cafeteria staff have managed to prepare and distribute 66,000 lunches and 66,000 breakfasts to kids of the Indian River School District since March the 18th. That's an impressive number. 
ladies and gentlemen. And, and I take a look and we, I maintain all the food charts from uh, the 18th all the way through today. And I can tell you, you know, you don't hear one complaint, you know, from Cliff or those ladies. Um, you have Mr. Smith in, you know, helping Cliff time to time. And we've really seen a, a good team put together a lot of hard work to safely, you know, get food to our students and families that are in need. If you ever ride by one of our collections or one of our sites where we actually deliver food, it's, it's kind of fun to watch. You're going to see cafeteria ladies, you're going to see administrators, and you're going to see uh, school safety monitors running out to cars and handing bags and milk or whatever the drinks are with masks and gloves on to the people in the vehicles. And it's a true team effort. And I, I can't say enough for what they've done. They've done tremendous. We've also had a, a good number of, of folks who have donated uh, to the district. A lot will go directly to the food bank. I know Michelle Murphy through our adult ed division and being our community liaison has organized the donations we've had come in and it's been, um, you know, we, we getting $500 at a time, $1,000. And we're able to also provide families with more food uh, that are in need. So, you know, there's been a lot of good and a lot of people pulled together through this. And I just, I just want to say thank you uh, to everybody involved. We've taken a look at our school calendar. We will look at beginning our summer hours, which will be 10 hour days. Um, we'll go from June 22nd to August the 21st. Now we'll tell you at this particular time, we also are gonna to have to look at the summer school. We've not got an indication yet from DOE and the governor whether or not we're going to proceed uh, with summer school or if it's gonna be virtual as well. Uh, so I know that Dr. Brittingham is looking at the ESY kids and we're, we're trying to figure out virtual or are we gonna be able to bring these kids in. And, and to be honest, I wish I could tell you this evening, and at this time, we don't know at what point we're gonna be able to do that. Uh, a lot of things you're hearing in the community, you might hear we're not coming back until January. I'm gonna be very honest with you. We, we have no idea what the, the, the outcome for next school year is going to be at this particular point. I did receive an email about 4.30 today from Dr. Bunning. She has set up three committees, uh, one looking at the, the safety of opening schools, one the organization, and there's a third one I, I can't remember. I didn't get time to read the whole email before I came down to the office. And those groups will be preparing reports that she will publish and put out July 1st as to you know what next year is gonna look like. At this stage, we just don't know. And uh, we'll know uh, probably about, a, you know, a couple of weeks or hopefully a couple of months before September. And we may have to adjust our schedule accordingly. We just don't know at this point where we're going exactly with summer school, ESY and next school year. But as soon as we have information, we'll pass that along to you. Mr. Barley, that's all that I have. Mark, I have a couple questions. Mm -hmm. One, my first one will be summer hours. I guess, I just have a question is why would we even decide to do summer hours when we don't have people in every day anyway? Well, if we did it, Ms. Ms. Wright, it would enable us to close that school on that fifth day. If not, it will, will continue to run all the utilities and everything that we have and, and open. We may have to stay at a regular schedule. 
Um, at this point, we're looking at summer hours to begin them as we've done in the past. We may not stay with that. Right now, it's going to depend a lot on what we get back from DOE as to what we're going to do with summer school and how we're going to be affected. Because my, my thought process would be that if we're not going back and we don't have anybody in there now, and your, your point was only going to say that we could be closed on Friday and not have to run to utilities, based on the way we're operating now, you could be closed on Friday and still not have those 10-hour days. Because I, my other question was when, at what point are we going to start trying to get back on um, time, a time frame with IREP? Yeah, that, that is something, um, Ms. Wright, looking at Dr. Bunning's uh, email today, and I'll forward this to you all tomorrow to look at. She sort of addresses that in the first um, dot or the first committee that she has about returning people, you know, into buildings and at what level. At this stage of the game, we're still looking at 10 at one time. And, you know, if we go to phase two, we'd probably be looking to 50. At some point, we're hoping to be able to open up to register kindergartners, to be quite honest with you. Uh, we just don't know at this point, you know, when this is going to happen. We're still on hold until they make some decision and pass it to us. And the other, well, I've got several, and then I want to give you a little bit of an update on the Delaware State Board Association, whatever it was I got put on. But anyway, um, and I'm not sure if the whole board knows this. I know uh, Rodney knows it and Mark and I think uh, Charlie, and I'm not sure who else. But as far as our SRO contracts are concerned, our, and, and please understand before I start this comment and make this conversation that I do have a vested interest in DSB because I have a son that's a, a trooper and I have a nephew that's on the force. So it's no disrespect to DSB by no stretch of the imagination. However, I am concerned with the fact that DSP, our troopers went back on the road somewhere around March the 15th, 18th, thereabouts. And from that day forward as of today, we, Indian River School District, are still paying their salary with the understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, with the understanding that um, someone in headquarters, and I'm not sure how far up the chain it went, said that they weren't going to revisit it and that we were going to have to abide by that contract the way it is. So can you enlighten us any farther or Rodney maybe, because I think this is not, this is not good. Yeah, uh, Mr. Lewis, do you want to share the um, conversation you had with the gentleman from DOE? Sure, Mr. Steele. Um, Mr. Wright, I did reach out to um, State Police Headquarters and spoke with uh, Brian Fitzpatrick. He works in fiscal at DSP Headquarters, and we did make that request. Um, the following Monday, they had a staff meeting, and that was that subject was brought up to the superintendent of the Delaware State Police, Colonel Nate McQueen, and his executive staff, and they're not going to entertain any uh, refunds to any school district throughout the state of Delaware regarding uh, the salaries. Now, they did mention there's a possibility that we could um, offer the loss of salaries, just not the DSP salaries, but to any salaries that we have lost as a ref, um, refund to DEMA. Of course, DEMA would entertain that idea to FEMA 
for re any kind of refunds uh, to the district. Now, I, I do believe, Mr. Steele, if I remember right, you, you did have a conversation with Mr. Layfield regarding that as well, and I think he may have some conversation. Yeah, I, I did. I, I wanted to make sure we talked about that. Mr. Layfield? Yeah. <clears throat> I probably should not be an piece for the state police, but I received the same information. Um, I have no say in that, um, but it will be uniform how police handle it throughout the state. So though I agree with Ms. Liaga on questioning of that money, um, the state police will be uniform throughout. Now with that said, I'm not sure how we're handling it with Southerville or Georgetown. I know my conversation with Georgetown was the chief was uh, very open return that money so it would be unique to see some departments provide that money back and DSP not but uh, again all I can reiterate was the information I received is exactly like Mr. Lewis said. I think Ms. Wright I think uh, best order uh, would be to uh, rate DSP get some clarity on request and now that you know Mr. Lewis mentioning that in regards of DEMA, I think any losses that we have, I do believe that the stimulus money is geared toward paying for those losses. But I wanna double check that for sure. Um, plus, I have a Zoom meeting this week with the other superintendents. I'm sure by now they've all received the same information or the same question. It may be advantageous that we as a group address this issue and that way we all dress it the same way because it is going to reach out and affect all 19 school districts. So I can keep the board, I'll keep the board abreast on what we're, what we're doing and what I find out as we go through. Mark, is this consistent with all uh, contracted workers such as school bus drivers as well? Do they still get paid? It is, Mr. Peden, it is. The, um, and I got Ms. Smith on, Tammy, you can join in this conversation anytime you'd like. The information that we received from ONB is that they were uh, keeping the contractors um, paid. Fear, I think, of loss, number one, of drivers leaving and not having a substantial number of drivers once we come back uh, to school. And uh, they, the state has agreed with the bus contractors to proceed on with those contracts. Yes, we are currently paying the bus, the school bus contractors. There was an adjustment for fuel and mileage um, deducted from the contracts. We are paying those out through the end date of the contract per the state um, and also the foster care and homeless transportation um, vendors as well. So we're not treating the DSP employees any different than any other contracted employees. It says you're not, but they are also, but they're getting paid. They're also getting, they're back doing DSP work and not district work where bus drivers are just bus, not saying just meaning in a bad way, but that's their job. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disputing it. I'm disappointed in it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I do believe that at some point in time, um, if it, it will get out and you know how politics get and it's just unfortunate that it's it's that situation there 
And I do think, Ms. Wright, that we can address it as a, a group of superintendents. Um, generally, when we when we get together and, and, you know, inquire into things sometimes, you know, we can get some better answers. But taking a look at the, the thing about getting the reimbursement on the loss of that contract, we may be able to actually do that. So I'd like to explore that to see if we can. I think that's a, that's a major thing for us to do. I think it'll be, I think that's something that we should stay on, on the finance side of it because, and the same thing would go with our safety monitors. Now our safety monitors contract simply says that we will pay them for the hours that they work. And we brought them in and several schools have said our safety monitors aren't, or they're just there. There's not a lot, there's not a lot that they're doing, keeping in mind that they, that maybe when we do a contract again, unbeknownst to us, that this virus was going to happen, that it will open eyes all across the state with some clauses that will be put in there. And I say that because at the meeting, at the, we just had a Zoom meeting last week, I think it was, on for the state board thing. And right now, sources are saying, oh, well, because keep in mind our, our, um, SR, our excuse me, safety monitors and all, from our local funds that there's looking to be a decrease in local funds. Also, I believe a recommendation is going to come out from the governor in a very short time that says they're going to consider a 3% reduction on all state employees starting with it. Well, would be starting July of 20. Um, now, Mr. Marinucci and several of those people that are on that board or in close contact with, with people that are in there. And they just said kind of relay that message that, you know, it's fine and dandy that we have funds now, but in a very short time, our funds could be cut considerably and we would be looking at several cuts. Not necessarily did they say education, which blew my mind, not education per se, but the people that perform the education would be where the cuts came. So, I just want to give you a heads up on that. Thanks to Charlie, I got put on that committee, but it didn't, it wasn't, two meetings haven't been real happy meetings because everyone's kind of in the same dilemma, but it seems that there's going to be some issues, some financial issues. We assume, Ms. Raid, we, we were monitoring it very, very closely. To be honest, that's why I'm very tentative and taking small steps forward. Um, I think this year we're going to be okay without having to give money back. Uh, that's my hope. How, however, the carryover money, the state could have the option of taking that money back, um, you know, for this year's budget. Uh, hopefully they won't. Um, but I can, I can tell you, we have another defect, I think, coming up. Tammy, I believe it's next week. Is that right? Is it next week? It's Thursday. It's Thursday. That'll be a key meeting to look at. That'll give you an indication of whether or not these numbers are growing. We are looking at both state and, and local. Um, you know, we don't know where the property taxes will come in and how many people are gonna pay their, you know, property taxes will be something whether or not they, they've paid. So I can tell you, these are all concerns that all 19 districts are looking at at this particular point in time. We're kind of holding our breath with the, with the, with the budget. Um, you know, it was, it was looking very promising, you know, to a lot of groups. I know a lot of groups were in line for state uh, increase. However, I do think now that, that that's not going to happen and you'll see probably movement in the other direction as well. So I don't know at this time what it's going to be. 
but I don't think the number we're looking at this year is going to be as great as the number in next year's budget. The number that's been floated next year is about 700 million uh, would be at our starting point. Um, you know, how that's going to be recovered, I do not know. I don't know. And, you know, uh, Mrs. Smith was at a uh, business director's meeting, uh, managers on, on uh, Friday, I believe it was, and had the opportunity to talk to her a little bit or Thursday about the, you know, some of the questions that were, were coming up. And I think you're about right. It might not be cutting education. It may be the people uh, more so than the educational budgets themselves. But I think it's going to depend on just how bad this gets and how quick the economy kicks in before we know for sure where we're going to be financially. I just know, you know, we're pretty good shape right now and I'm glad we are. Um, you know, that, that, that could come in and help us if need be. But I will say that the, the biggest concern, you know, presently is, is, that, we, <laughs> is that we have, uh, you know, have that opportunity to take a look at things, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, get a little pre-knowledge of where the governor is definitely going to go. Any other questions for Mr. Steele? Charlie, I'd like to, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to go back for a moment on the topic of school restarting. Um, not so much summer school, but come the fall. I know uh, Mr. Steele had mentioned that Dr. Bunning, DOE, putting together committees discussing the start of school. I'll just make the, I'll just make the comment that it is my hope that the administration in communication with Dr. Bunning and DOE and our glorious governor would portray the, the need for schools to start on time. You look at the seriousness of the current situation, and yes, we have, uh, we have some deaths that have occurred, but we have children's minds that are in the process of being developed that are going to be missing serious instruction time that they will never be able to get back if they are kept out of school at a continued, uh, on a continued period of time. Um, the school district, I commend everybody that works in the school district has done a fantastic job with online learning and with the giving out of the uh, school lunches, the food. However, Sussex County has never done the proper job in setting up broadband. So the majority of our kids, quite frankly, don't have access to the proper uh, communication system to even tune in online on a regular basis. The numbers of kids that are participating is low compared to the number of total kids that go to school in our district, our kids are losing valuable, valuable educational opportunities that is going to cause a suffering to them and to the economy for many years and lifetime down the road. I don't think educational system can afford to have kids not starting back in school in the fall. At some point, 
life has to go on. We have future lives to educate and train. To me, that's important. And I hope in all conversations with Dr. Bunning and the governor that those, uh, that would be my feelings I hope are portrayed. I think Mr. Mr. Fritz, I can tell you all 19 districts are in the, about the same boat presently is that we, we really feel we need to start back in September. We need to start back. And at one point it even hoped maybe cutting this year short, MOU with the staff and coming back the 1st of August even to get a jump start, you know, on, on next year. But that would have required a lot of, uh, a lot of moving parts to get done. I think everybody on this Zoom, including parents and everyone else, is all wishing the exact same thing that we do. And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, everything gets ironed out. I hope they come up with a vaccine or whatnot, and I hope we're moving forward because that's, this is not the way to do school. I will tell you that now, and I don't think there's a person on my staff who's going to disagree with you. It's not, it's not the way to do school. And if, if at all possible, I would like to see us back in, in the fall on time and moving forward. Thanks. <clears throat> Anything else for Mr. Steele? Next item on the agenda is financial reports. Uh, Mr. Smith, I need a motion to pay the regular invoices for the month of April of 2020. No move. Second. Motion made and seconded in any discussion. All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Uh, did you say Mrs. Smith? Sorry, I there was interference. The Financial reports that you have in front of you are as of April 30th, 2020. We are 83% of the way through the fiscal year. We have received 97% of our total budgeted revenue, spent 67% of total budgeted expenses, received 100% of discretionary revenue, and spent 86% of discretionary expenses. Howard Tienes has spent 85.36% of their budget and we have received 99% of our budgeted local tax revenue. Part two of the financial reports, um, we've received $76,000 in interest in April for March balances. The ILC programs have spent 80% of their budgets. The student activity funding balance is approximately $411,600. We have $4.4 million in federal funds available and we're holding almost $1.3 million in donations and student funds and internal accounts. For the major cap report, we, pay, we paid approximately $307,500 to Fernclin Daniel in April for the Howard T. Annis project. For minor cap, we have spent approximately $2.4 million and have a balance remaining of approximately $1 million. Any questions? That's all I have. Any other questions for Mrs. Smith? Okay, thank you. 
Thank now you. Come to the public comment section of the meeting. Is there anyone in the audience who wishes to make a public comment? Hello? Mr. Byerly is JR, you are frozen. You might want to try to reboot. Mr. Barley, I have a couple names, I believe, that had asked to speak in public session. Um, okay, we're, we're getting them right now. Okay. First one would be uh, Diamond Santiago. Hello. Hi, Diamond. Hi, how are you, Mr. Sell? Good. I had a couple questions as far as the graduation. Um, we're talking about the virtual, we're talking about the limit as far as the family, how many people can be said. But I think another portion that's being missed is when school ended abruptly, um, a lot of the students that they were in school with since grade school, that they got to see it and they were going to reach this milestone with them. Um, they got robbed from saying the, you know, the goodbye to the teachers. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, to the teachers, to their fellow senior friends, um, the activities of the prom, um, any other senior activities. So I know for my son, um, one of the concerns is he kind of wanted to do it with his friends, which I know isn't ideal maybe at this time. But you know how you're there, you're graduating amongst your fellow grade school friends that have gotten to this milestone with you. You have the famous hat tossed, um, things like that. So maybe that can be taken into consideration. I know um, one of you guys had spoke tonight about having a certain amount of family members that were going to go in and how it was going to take, you know, maybe eight or nine hours. But I do know that Indian River Dish, um, School High School has a smaller graduating class than Sussex Central. So that might be optional for us where maybe if 15 families are in there at one time or I don't even know if they can do it outside in the auditorium because with us going into different phases and I'm seeing a vast amount of people shown on social media at the beaches so I'm wondering if an outside setting of limited numbers of family for um, graduation would be an option I know when my daughter graduated from DSU that year they had two separate graduating times for that 2017 class so um i just wasn't sure but i know when we're thinking about um them walking which is a big thing for a lot of them um also the fact that they've been doing this together and you're walking across the stage but a lot of your fellow seniors that get to see you do that or throw the hats up they're not actually with you and i feel like um we've been having a lot of virtual celebrations birthdays and things like that it's pretty much their norm and these, these uh, seniors were robbed of a lot. They're also going through a lot because they're, they're experiencing this scary time as well in this pandemic. Not only that, but what they're being robbed of. So a lot, I, I just feel like maybe some, some thought needs to go into this because they really deserve. My son's handling this well um, at this point now, but it got really scary disappointing depressing and i just feel like they really deserve something because no other class in history has went through this um and a lot of them are now starting to take it very well and we we just need to give them what they truly deserve and take a lot of things into consideration 
Um, so I just wanted to speak on behalf of my senior, as well as a lot of the class, all of the class of 2020, just so some ideas can go into input. And um, I'm not opposed to waiting. However, I know that that might not be ideal. Um, but if they, if they have to wait, because you know, you have to deal with families that want to see it um, as well. But I know the number has to be limited if we're going to roll with it um, within the next month or so. So I just wanted to, um, to kind of put an input on maybe um, everything wasn't being taken into context when you're doing this, um, the decision making, and just to speak on behalf of my son tonight. Okay, thank you. Next speaker, uh, Jessica Pizaya. Hi, my name is Jessica Pizaya. I thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. This is my 10th year teaching at the Indian River School District. Prior to teaching, I was also a substitute and a professional for Indian River School District. So I've had the pleasure to be a part of this district for a better part of 15 years. So when listening to the previous board meetings, there seems to be a lot of discussion about school choice applications. A lot of these discussions in previous board meetings seem to center around those number six and number seven students at the end of the priority list. So who are these number six and seven students? Well, for those listening that are unaware of how these students are categorized, number seven is simply a non-district student. But number six students consist of children of school employees holding a permanent position. These number six children are my children and many other employee children in our district. Needless to say, I'm disheartened as I have completed all of the necessary paperwork and documents in a timely manner. However, since I live beyond our district grounds, my child's application is listed low on the priority list. With many of the schools over capacity, I am completely aware of the necessity of these rules and regulations. However, I also ask, what is this district without its employees? I'm not overstepping when I say we are the backbone of this district. We have witnessed, you've witnessed in these recent months, the determination of your employees and willingness to teach our students, whether it be here, there, or anywhere. So many teachers, including myself, are working beyond hours to learn all of the new platforms so we can adjust and make our instruction as effective to our students as possible. Why can't the same support be granted to those employees that so wish that their children participate in schooling in this wonderful district? To be number six out of seven on the priority list is devastating. I simply felt unappreciated as a district employee when I saw this. I ask that you reconsider the school choice applications for your number six students, the children of your hardworking employees. I thank you for your time and consideration in this matter. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. The, the uh, next speaker, J.R. Emanuel. All right, I think I found a spot that has internet in my house. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the grading policy. Um, there was lots of discussion um, about this grading policy. Uh, the teachers brought me many concerns, and uh, I talked to uh, the district about it. And I just want to thank the district because DOI um, went right to work on it and created guidelines because the teachers were concerned that there were no guidelines around these this grading policy that they were talking about but 
now that they went through and, and uh, created these guidelines, um, teachers are a lot, a lot more at ease because it's a lot less subjective. Now they have criteria on how much they can raise a grade. So I want to thank the um, people that were working on that. Um, that really helps the teachers out a lot. The second thing I want to bring up is negotiations. Um, I'm not sure if all of the board is aware, but all four of the bargaining unit's contracts, the teachers, the parents, custodians, and secretaries are up as of June 30th. Um, negotiations were supposed to take place, but obviously were put on hold because of the COVID. Um, we talked to the district about possibly doing um, Zoom um, negotiations, but it just it was decided that's probably not the best interest or best scenario for anybody. Um, so we're, we are now in the process of meeting with our members and scheduling a vote. Um, the vote is going to be about whether or not we should present the district with an MOU. Um, the MOU would be to simply continue with the existing contracts throughout next year. Um, that way, if and when we get back to school in the fall, if we want to proceed with negotiations for the following year, uh, we can do that. But I'm asking the board to uh, think about um, this option of the MOU and just continuing the existing contracts um, so all four groups can move into next year with a, with a contract and it could put aside the uh, preparation that the district needs to do and that the teachers and paras and secretaries and custodians need to do um, in getting ready for these negotiations. So I just kind of wanted to give the board a heads up that we are um, contacting our members and conducting a vote uh, and hopefully we'll be presenting you guys with an MOU that um, just to continue with the existing contracts throughout next year. And that's everything. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience who wishes to make a public comment? Hearing none. No further business to come before the board. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.